Jason Leisure. This is Hollis Intrigue, where Jason, every week, we think it can't get more ridiculous. And Sunday, it did. We'll get into all of it. Coming up on Hollis Intrigue. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Jason, it's a Sunday night. You and I are sitting in the press box at Soldier Field where uh, we just saw something that would not have been on my bingo card. Uh, Justin Fields plays the best game of his career. The Bears lead by 21 with 15 seconds to go in the third quarter and find a way to lose the game. What in the world did we just see? Well, (laughs) I mean, we saw them throw away their chance just for peace and quiet for a few days because that that would certainly be beneficial to them. I think we saw a day where, like, you know, that didn't wasn't really changing my mind a whole lot on what kind of team this is, even before the collapse at the end. I mean, they're doing this against one of the other bottom teams in the NFL, a team that just gave up 70 last week. Matt Eberflus said he saw a lot of positives, a lot of exciting things leading up to the end, but all of that came against a terrible defense. And all of it is totally undercut by the collapse at the end, and everybody has their hand in that collapse at the end. Yeah, including the head coach. Uh, about three minutes to go. It's fourth and half of half a yard uh, at the, what, 18 going in. Uh, Matt Eberflus decides to keep the offense on the field and go for it, but not before burning a timeout, which will prove harmful later. Uh, they go, they do a hard count. Uh, the uh, Broncos don't budge. They come back out and essentially call a read option handoff out of the shotgun to Khalil Herbert. Uh your rookie right tackle, who you took with the first-round pick, where you could have picked a quarterback if you wanted to instead of making that trade. Darnell Wright misses a block. Khalil Herbert gets stuffed. All of a sudden, it's a tie game now, and the Broncos have the ball coming out. Do you understand why he why he decided to go for it, A, and B, do you agree with it? I understand why he did it, and I would agree with it in some circumstances, not this one. Mm-hmm. I don't agree in these circumstances with him going for it with a team on a 14-game losing streak, a team that would still need a bunch of things to go right. You're still counting on um, you know, wind, being able to wind down some more clock, not turning the ball over on these upcoming offensive plays, still needing a defensive stop at some point. You're betting on a lot of things. The safe, prudent play in this case with this team would have been to kick and pet You've been to like hundreds of football games in your life, probably, right? College and pro. Oh, yeah. Hundreds, literally hundreds. This man has been to hundreds of football games. What is the typical reaction you hear from the home crowd when they keep the offense on the field on fourth down and they're going for it? Elation. Oh, they go crazy for that. I didn't hear that on this one. I heard kind of some ambivalent. I think everybody was scared to death. Confusion. I mean, you blow a 21-point lead. There was a lot of what's going on here. Yeah, you blow a 21-point lead, and I think everybody's starting to get a little nervous, and then you do something a little unconventional here. Uh, The rationale was this. If they get the first down, the Broncos have to burn a timeout. Even with the two-minute warning coming up, the Bears can bleed at least another minute, probably off the clock. And then worst-case scenario, they're kicking a shorter field goal and giving their defense one fewer minute that they have to defend. To me, what's so unique about this situation this year, or really in the last three weeks, was that Matt, I think Matt Eberflus was telling us he didn't trust his defense. And he shouldn't. It took the Broncos like a minute to get down and kick a field goal. Well, he shouldn't trust his defense because they stink. But 
the reason they or one of the reasons they stink is because uh, he's calling the plays on defense. And I'm not saying that they're you know overflowing with talent, but it's pretty damning of his own thing when he goes. Eh, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather not. And this, this is again you need to take into account that Matt Eberflus is a uh, defensive specialist. He has expertise over 30 years coaching in defense. And when we looked at Matt Nagy, we said at times, hey, this is not a perfect roster offensively, but you're Matt Nagy. You're the guy that's got all the tricks. You're the guy that's supposed to know. You came from Kansas City. You coached Patrick Mahomes. You got this job because you're a great offensive mind. Yeah, yeah. So do something with this. Figure it out. We have to Figure apply it out. that yep. same standard. Figure it out. We have to apply that same standard to Matt Eberflus. This is not a perfect defensive roster, but this is not last year's defensive roster. There are players there. There are legitimate above average starting NFL players on that defense. Today they were down a couple guys in the secondary. That mm-hmm. that is a big loss and they're already down Kyler Gordon. But there is again today against the Broncos enough on the field and Matt Eberflus has had a hand in picking so many of these guys. This is not like last year. Justin Field says, "Well, you know, if it works, you're all calling him a genius or maybe not a genius, but you're praising him." I I I hate that sort of revisionist stuff where, well, of course, if it works, nobody's going to be upset about it. No. Were I, you thinking go for it? We, we, let's, yeah. let's be straightforward here. We were talking. In real time. And you, I think I said kick and you said go for it. And I look like the genius. That's what <laughs> I should to be fair, the first quarter, I said punt and you said go for it. Right. And you, yeah, on that and, first drive. And you also looked Punted like on a fourth there. and one from midfield. Uh, but we, but what we both didn't know at the time was that the play call was going to be a read option out of the shotgun. Pat. I, I'm okay. I, That's I, the biggest problem with this. I, I, Turning a one yard, a fourth and one into needing to get five yards. Well, thank God they didn't put Cole Komet under center. If I see one more of those, <laughs> the, that ball's got to be in Justin Fields' hands one way or another. And it, well, and it would have been. Else that can do what he and does. it would have been had the end crashed and he didn't. So you know, we talked about this all week. You know, on and off, Mike, Jason. I think if the ends are just going to hang out, that the Bears should pound the ball up the middle as often as humanly possible, and and they did do that today. Uh, you know, they just, I mean, you can't make the guy the, what, 10th pick, 11th pick, 10th pick in the draft? 10th. And you just can't, you, you can't make that mistake if you're right. You just can't. I know it's only your fourth game, but it's a gots-to-have-it situation here. And the other thing is, I think on merit, he's fine going for it. But you said it the right way. The context of where we are. Losers of 13 in a row go, coming into today. A team that doesn't know how to win. You have Cole Komet saying week after week after week, hey, man, we don't know how to win. we got to figure this out. Uh, maybe kicking the field goal gives them a better chance to try and figure out how to win. All of this, it's amazing to think. If, if I would have told you at 9 a.m. this morning, hey, the Bears are making Chase Claypool inactive, huh. and they are going to – Tell him to, or they're going to give him the option of coming to the game or not, and he's going to choose to stay home. And then most likely, this is going to be like signaling his exit from the team very soon. You would not have believed had I told you that at 9 a.m. that that would fall to fifth or sixth on the list of that'd things be, to talk about today. That'd be minute seven of the podcast. Uh, speaking of which, Mark Potash is here, but he's he's come nowhere near the microphone, so we're going to try and wave him over. I want to ask him about Chase Claypool, and then if he's on his way. At, uh, to other things, he is uh, certainly free to go. Potsy, you've seen a lot of diva behavior uh, around the Bears and around the sport. 
Uh, Chase Claypool, do you think he's trying to get himself moved or cut or anywhere but here? Yeah, I mean, uh, it certainly seems that way. I, that's that's the big question: is did he know um, that he was being uh, in, that he was inactive, going to be inactive when he when we talked to him on Friday? Let's give some quick background. Chase Claypool said uh, on Friday afternoon in the locker room, essentially, somebody asked, "Are they putting you in position to succeed?" And he said, "No." Yeah. The, the overall tone, by the way, of his uh, conversation in the locker room was very whiny. It was. I had some good blocks in the Tampa game, and you guys aren't talking about it because it was a good thing. No one will talk about good things that happened here. And, oh, yeah, well, you know, you could say, oh, I want to play on the offenses that have the highest passing yards and stuff like that, but that's just not life in the NFL. You have to make do with what you've got. Yeah, it seemed like he had, uh, he was kind of done. My, my understanding is he did not know at the time he was going to be inactive, but mm-hmm. that that was kind of the last in a long list of reasons for the Bears to do it. That, press, that uh, media session yeah. he did on Friday. I get back to this, too. If he were super productive, maybe you'd have a problem on your hands or a decision to make. It'd be tolerable. Yeah, I mean, somebody's got 19 catches since last Halloween. He's got 18 catches in 10 games. <laughs> He's got four catches this year. Equinemius St. Brown caught the most haphazard, fl- successful flea flicker I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Justin Fields almost got leveled. Somehow gets the ball to Equinemius St. Brown. He bobbles it, regroups, catches it, manages to stay in bounds. That play, Patrick, was longer than any catch Chase Claypool has had to, this season. To, to, to Jason's point, uh, I think A.J. Brown had a, had a similar uh, uh, co- um, conversation with Jalen Hurts that, that um, Claypool had uh, with Fields or, or, had, or had on the, on the field. Uh, I think it was the Jets game. I can't remember Detroit yeah. Lions, whatever. But the point being, Detroit, Detroit. You you can. We said it at the time when 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 the Bears were defending that is you can be like that if you are productive. AJ Brown, who is has his own issues, had an issue with hurts, and then had what? I think he had 130 yards or something right. that, that, sure. that week or something. That's the difference, and that's the that's the whole that's the essence of the whole Claypool question situation is that he's just not productive enough. To be this, to have this kind of um, behavior, I guess, or attitude, approach, whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, he's just not capable of it. I mean, he's you know he's talented, but boy, you, you got to be a little more uh, with the program uh, than he wants to be to really be productive, productive, especially with the Bears. And, and it's Ryan Pohl's biggest mistake. Yes, yeah. GM. Oh yeah, by far. I mean, he gave up a pick that at the time was probably mid forties in the second round. I think ended up being number thirty-two overall. Gets into a bidding war with the Packers for this doesn't seem to question why the Steelers are unloading a player that they drafted and developed and had been productive for them. The Steelers, one of the most respected organizations. If, if someone like the Ravens or Steelers or Patriots is unloading a player on you, be careful. But, Pat, I see, and, and with that, like, it, it seems very likely to me that Chase Claypool won't play for the Bears again. If they can't trade him in the next couple of days, it wouldn't be surprising at all to see him cut before Thursday. And I don't know who's lining up to trade him. It, I don't I trade for him. I can't imagine a good team doing it. And all the bad teams need their draft picks. Right. When you right. look at the situation that they're in now, Pat, I see three sides to this. I see Claypool, a guy who had he had a good season, what would he have gotten on the open market? Maybe like four years, 60 million, yeah, right. something like that. Had he had even gone back to the numbers, the production he had his first couple of years. Instead, now he's going to be just floating out there as like, a, one, a one-year deal guy, three or five right. million, something like that. I see Poles making a huge mistake in that trade, and, and at every 
point you've seen that there's been red flags there. But I also see just complete mishandling of it today by Matt Eberflus. Yeah, uh, the question for Eberflus was, where's Chase Claypool? He was at home. Why is he at home? Kind of no answer. Did you tell him to go home? No. It was up. It was his choice. Did you tell him to stay away today? No, no, it was his choice, and he chose to stay home. No, that's not what I said. And then I believe, Jason, you said, well, it's one or the other, right? He said in a series of questions without any ambiguity that they gave Chase Claypool the choice. This is what he said. Right. Whether that's true, whether that's what he meant to say, what he said without any vagueness whatsoever was that they gave Chase Claypool the choice to come to the game today or not, and he stayed home. Later, there was some cleanup duty by Bears PR coming around and telling people, hey, Matt misspoke. We did tell Chase to stay home. To me, that makes more sense. I don't think – I can't imagine a team would ever give someone the option of no-showing work. But I think it just speaks to – I mean, this is a whole season where messaging has been just as bad as the play on the field. You know, the Allen Williams situation, unfortunate on many levels, but Matt Eberflus didn't do a lot to uh, to show... They made it worse? Yeah, they made it worse. He didn't do a lot to show strength when he spoke about it publicly. Uh, Justin Fields, you know, ripping his coaching staff. A- another instance in which it, if you message things the right way, maybe the outcome's a little different. It, it, this just, to me, it showed... Even if Eberflus misspoke, even if you take the Bears at their word and we're all skeptical all the time, uh, even if he misspoke, it makes it look like he doesn't have a handle of the situation. Potsy? Yeah, I think, well, I go back to what Jason was talking about. I, I think uh, I think Claypool was a rookie mistake uh, by Ryan Poles in that here's a guy who did not want to panic. Ryan Poles has been all about not panicking to get the situation straight. And even if it didn't appear to be a panic situation then, now, in retrospect, that looks like a panic move, trading a second-round draft pick for a guy that you really don't know much about. And it shows that he really – I don't know if he really did his homework on it. I think if he did, he wouldn't have made that move. And I guess the other thing i got to tell you is it's looking more and more like Eberflus was another rookie mistake. I mean, I think a lot of this is casting – this whole season is casting a different light, big picture-wise, on Ryan Poles and what he's done. And I think that's why the Bears, you know, that's that's part of what the, the you know the Bears' problem is uh, swirling that they're they're going yeah. through right now. Well, and this is the season that matters. Like last season, I don't know that you got any read on Eberflus, and I don't think you got that much of a read on Poles. Poles did a few things in that first year that you could say were outside of the avenue that any GM would have taken, and I right. think that was trading Roquan Smith, trading for uh, Claypool. And then the picks that he made in the draft, right? which would be the high picks, by the way. Right. Brisker and Gordon look good. Bayless Jones in the third round looks like a big mistake, too. This is the season, though, where there's a lot to evaluate right. with Eberflus and Poles. Now Eberflus has a roster that could go either way right? going into the season. This could have been a five-win team. This could have been a ten-win team. A lot of it was going to hinge on him, and it's, it's trending really badly. It's trending to now where, like, five wins would be – them playing pretty well the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, and five polls, five wins would too. be what they go five and eight the rest of the way. That's that seems hard <laughs> yeah. at this point. I think we're learning the most about Eberflus this year because last year one of the things that was interesting about a three and fourteen season was he didn't have a lot of games that he mismanaged or or lost on his own. There wasn't hardly anything to mismanage. Have, there, were, there was, but there were no in, there were no indications to me whatsoever that he couldn't handle uh, a team or. 
um, or, or, or game management. And there were no indications that he could do it correctly, too, because the defense, which was his baby, was to show no, no signs of life at all. But now we're learning a lot. We're seeing a lot. And we're seeing, again, a situation today where you know, he disdains the field goal, which, you know, that's a move that a good team can do. That's a risk a good team can take. But the Bears are in no position to do that. He did not. Uh, well, and, and if you look back at last year too, guys, I mean, the number of locker room kind of hurricanes that the Bears went through, was, it was pretty small. It was the Roquan Smith trade request. Maybe if you want to talk about Robert Quinn Robert being disappointed, leaving and being disappointed that he left and the fact yeah. that the team crumbled after both of them were gone. Uh, still, and this is a word Eberflus used, like the esprit de corps was pretty good. This year, we're in week four. There have been as many, you know, uh, messes as there have been games, at least. I mean, yeah. Alan Williams, Justin, Justin Fields, Chase Claypool a couple of different times. Uh, it's it's Chase Claypool twice. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's You're right. You're yeah right. it's it's not only it's bad football but it's a circus and uh, and that's a bad combination. You have all these guys that came in with high expectations and they were not unfounded. I mean, they were reasonable to think that things were going that this was the start of something. DJ Moore is a guy who thought he was getting in on the ground floor or something, and I bet. That T.J. Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds right. and Nate Davis, some of these free agent acquisitions thought that too. Some of the other key guys, Pat, they've been here a while. They've sat through quite a bit. I did, and, I, and it wears on you. It does. And you wonder, uh, and well, first of all, uh, the mini buy after the Commanders game provided the Bears don't do something very... Um, yeah, or and drastic. Yes. Yeah. Which would, which would be on Bears like. Uh, maybe getting away for a weekend uh, would do everybody some good because uh, you can just sense it even today. Just I, To me, I felt more anger. What's the drastic thing? They're going to fire people? Like, I, I, who would even coach the team at that point? If you're firing Eberflus, you're firing right. Getze. Who's left? It's going to be Richard Hightower coaching the team, and then who? Like who are his well, deputies? Well, they could. I mean, they could add. They They're could add, out of people. They could add a defensive coordinator too. I mean, that would be drastic. But I mean, maybe Wani needs to come back just yeah. to steer it through. The don't rest even. Of the season. Don't. Don't. Don't even. Um, go ahead. Like, talk. They don't have somebody. I think out of everything, you know, a lot of things happened today. It was a very eventful day. The most significant thing that happened to me with regard to what we're talking about is that we were in the locker room after the game, and I think it would get kind of filtered out a little bit, and we were waiting to talk to, I think, Jaquan Brisker, and Kevin Warren comes up to a few of us and says, thanks for coming, basically. Yeah. You know, which is, which to me, he's, he's the key, he, he's becoming more and more the key guy in this whole situation. And that's a guy who understands, I think he's like the one guy who kind of gets it, I think, around here, and understands what's important, and and it, it understands image, understands everything. he he know I think he's gonna be I think he's very active and I think he I, and I don't know what he's gonna do, but all I'm saying is I think he's different from what they've had here, and that means all bets are off as far as unbears like things. I will say to Mark's point on Kevin Warren, two things: one, the Bears built this backwards from the ground up. They brought in the quarterback first. Right. They brought in the coach after that, kind of like right. they'd already narrowed it down to final candidates before they hired polls. Then they brought in polls. Then they brought in the team president, Warren. That is not the way you want to do it. So if you're looking at a reset, which probably will not happen during the season, but if you're looking at a reset, that reset needs to be from uh, Ryan Poles down so that Kevin Warren can put the pieces in place that he wants. And the second point on Why wouldn't it include Ryan Poles? No, it would. Oh, Ryan okay. Poles and down. Okay. Everybody under right. Kevin Warren. Right. And Kevin Warren told us, we talked with Kevin Warren 
after his initial press conference, and we asked him, the Sun Times did, about the Bears having to bring in Bill Polian last or last two years ago, whatever right. it was, at the end of the Nagy Pace area, to tell them whether things were going well. Right. And we said, are you going to have to do that? Or do you know enough football that you can right. do that? And he talked about his time with the Rams, with the Vikings. I think, was right. he with the 49ers? With the, uh, somewhere else. He was with. He was in enough winning organizations that he said without hesitation, no, I'm, no I no, can decide this. this I will be able to tell if things are going right and if mm-hmm. things need to be changed. He's not. He is going to look at this, and I think Mark is right that Kevin Warren has been taking stock of the organization from top to bottom right. since he got here, and he is going to see as many problems with the football side of things as he does with everything else. This also goes back to when I think we had our little discussion uh, when he was first hired with Kevin Warren. I can't remember Ashton about something about Ted or whatever, and he, I, again, I don't know a whole lot about him, but he strikes me as a guy who will put more value on the losing streak. Than the getting out of the losing streak. I think right. that's a huge, and I'm not kidding. That's a huge difference in what in what, the way he thinks and the way they think generally at, at Hal's Hall. He's so, saying that because we we heard for years from Matt Nagy about how good they were at getting out of losing streaks, right. as though this was just some you know leak that happened right. in your plumbing, and he just and they were so good at fixing those well, leaks rather rather than a problem right. that they and, created and, by I mean, having the losing streak. I, as I wrote the other day, the Bears are now the Bears losing streak is now approaching. All of the Nagy losing streaks combined. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's last what's October. The, what's the record? I think the record's like 29. Yeah. You have to I, go back pretty far for the record. Uh, real quick before we go, uh, Patsy, this had come up uh, before you walked in, but I, I'm curious how much of what Justin Fields did today was progress and how much was playing a, a, a horrible team or is beating up on a horrible team progress? Uh, the, the latter, exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, that, that he can reach that Mitch Trubisky versus the Lions uh, um, realm is uh, is is uh, is good for him. That's that is progress. Will that lead to him being better against better defenses? I think we'll find out Thursday, right? Right. I mean, the commanders still have a good defense under Ron Rivera, I think, and uh, so I think we'll see that. So, but no, I did not see. I thought it was a, it was good, but it, did it, did I see this as something that uh, a breakthrough? Uh, no, uh, frankly, not at all. Uh, not to be a skeptic, but. Uh, we're kind of conditioned to be like that, but I thought it was good that he was good. But this is but this is the this is the first time this season they've been competent offensively, yeah. much less good. Like this is this is light years better than weeks one or two, and Lord knows much better than week three too. Well, what what's strange is that how much how clearly the clock struck midnight in this game. It's right. not like it happened next week on Thursday. Right. Or the week after, but within this game, he reverted, or the Bears' offense reverted back to every single problem they have had. Wasn't there a similar fumble return in the Lions? The one Lions Trubisky. game they lost with Trubisky. The, the yeah, the Trubisky one. Uh, yeah, same end zone. It's yep. so similar. It's the same thing, and then the interception. Yeah. Uh, it was just. It was just. It wasn't even like they played this great game and then all oh, one little thing went wrong. No, oh. it just wrote, they went totally back in time to exactly what they've been right. this whole time. And it, it was disconcerting. The Bears had four drives that ended in the fourth quarter. The drives ended with a punt, with a fumble return for a touchdown, with a fourth and half a yard that got stuffed, and with an interception. The, the rest of the game, I think the Bears had managed three touchdowns uh, in four drives, something like that. So they went from being as efficient as they've been in years to right back where they were. It's um, uh, it's uh, <laughs> quite the roller coaster. It's a short week, but it's going to be another long one. Even the short weeks are long. Yes, that's how bad it is. He nailed it. 
There you go. He stuck the landing like Kerry Strug, and you had to come in and. Anyways, Mark Potash, I'm Patrick Philly. He's just in like that newscast. Okay, now I'm, I'm and trying everything. to, and now I'm trying to land it. It's a short week, but yeah. it'll be a long week at Hellas yeah. Hall. Yes, this is Mark yeah. Potash. Yes. yes, for Channel Two News. <laughs> Stay classy. Um, anyway, he's Potsy. Uh, he's Jason Leach. I'm Patrick Finley. We will come back later in the week to discuss all things Bears. Maybe uh, Chase Claypool update. Uh, uh, and get you ready for that Commanders game on Thursday. Follow us on social media. Check us out at the Sometimes website, app, and all those uh, good places. And if you can buy a paper, please do. I'm Pat. He's Jason. He's Mark. Thanks so much for listening. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.